it's not you, it's me. Anybody ever heard those words before? Anybody ever said those words before? Thank you, the handful of you that can confess that. All right. It's not you, it's me. We hear it, we've, we've said it, we've maybe had it said to us, uh, and we didn't really believe it. Uh, you know, we, we, it's, it's been used so often that it's almost become like a cliche. It's almost become one of those things that, like, you know, you see it on, on you know, quoted in movies and TV shows. It's just uh, almost just like it, it has no meaning anymore. And yet, what's the real meaning behind it? There's an issue. There's a problem. There's something going on between the two of us. And the, the issue is, it's not you, it's me. And in reality, sometimes it is you. I just don't want to tell you that. Or sometimes it really is me. 20 some odd years ago, uh, I was um, fresh out of college. I was, had just gotten a, a new job uh, with the Southside Church of Christ over in Rogers. And uh, I ended up selling my car that I had all through college. And I bought a brand new, or brand new to me, uh, pickup truck. And about a week or so before I moved up here, I was over at a, a buddy's house. I lived in Van Buren, Arkansas, and I lived in Fort Smith. And we ended up, you know, hanging out, doing stuff all night. And so spent the night at his place, and the next morning I was going to go back over to my house. And um, uh, I drove, you know, down the interstate. It's probably about a 15-minute drive from his house to mine. And as I'm driving down the interstate, Everybody that I passed on the interstate was like, you know, if you ever make eye contact with the other drivers, they're giving me these weird looks and pointing. And, I, and when I got into Fort Smith itself, you know, I came to the stoplight, and there's people that are just, you know, and I'm like, what is their problem? And at first I thought, oh, they like my, my nice, shiny new truck. That was, I mean, you could tell. People were just like, you know, some people were trying to wave at me or something. like, what is your people, what is wrong with you people? And when I pulled into my driveway, when I pulled into my driveway, I realized I had driven from Van Buren, Arkansas to Fort Smith, Arkansas with the emergency brake on the whole time. Because when I pulled into my driveway and shifted into park, this huge cloud of smoke that had been following me for a while as I've been burning up my brakes, you know, kind of enveloped my whole truck. And I was like, aha, it wasn't them, it was me. I was the one that had the problem. I'm looking at them going, what is wrong with them? Why are they looking at me weird? They were looking at me weird because there's smoke pouring out the back of my truck. And I wasn't paying attention. And the whole time I thought they had the problem and the real issue was me. Okay? And I want us to think about that and, and, and how often sometimes we look at other people. Or we, we look at people that we work with, people, that we're, people in our families, people that we have friendships with. And if there's some issue, there's something going wrong... Uh, a lot of times our automatic, our automatic response is, well, it's them. They're the reason that this isn't what it should be. And maybe in reality, it's me. And it may be both of us, but I need to take some ownership of that. And that's what I want us to be thinking about this morning as we continue thinking about this concept of being better. We started talking about this last week. We started talking about looking at how we can be better versions of ourselves. We talked about Jesus telling some people, you know, you, you spend all your time washing the outside of the cup, making sure the outside looks nice and clean, and the inside is still just nasty, and how, how we can look at ourselves, and, and we may do all sorts of things to make sure that we have the right look to all the people that we come into contact with on a regular basis, and we're not doing anything about our heart. We're not doing anything about who we are on the inside. We're not cleaning the inside of the cup. We're just paying attention to the outside of the dish. How can we be better? 
We talked about recognizing that, that there may be some things about who I am, about the way I do things, about the attitude that I have that I can improve and, and help make me be a better me. Or there may be choices that I, that I encounter in my life, whether it's at work or whether it's hanging out with friends or whether it's in my family. There's, there's two options. There's two directions I can go and, and learning how to pick the better one of those things so that I can be better and I can be a better blessing to other people. We even talked about last week that sometimes there's physical changes that I need to make. Sometimes there's emotional changes that I need to make. Sometimes there's spiritual changes that I need to make. Maybe it's a combination of some of those. But also recognizing, and I, I want to make sure we don't miss this as we talk more about this this morning, recognizing that my God loves me no matter what. That no matter what version of me I am right now, my God loves me as I am. But... He wants better things for me. Not for his benefit, but for mine, to bless me, to make my life better. So today I want us to look at, at some more steps of, of becoming better versions of ourselves so that we can have better relationships. So that the people that we come into contact with on a regular basis, our friendships, our marriages, our, our relationships with our parents, our relationships with our kids, all those different aspects of our lives, we can do those things better. That we can have better relationships than we do right now. And again, it may not be that we need a complete overhaul of those things, but is there something that, that we can do better? And specifically this morning, what can I do better? Jesus addressed this in the, in the book of Luke. In chapter 6, if you open your Bibles or you open your Bible apps to the book of Luke, chapter 6, Jesus is, is going through several different things that, that need to be addressed, not just with his disciples, but the people who are listening to his message. And he says in verse 42, How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, when he, when he shares this verse, one of the things that, that Jesus is getting at here that, that maybe gets lost in translation a little bit, in the original Greek language that this verse was originally written in, the, the word that we translate as plank would, would literally mean a plank, like a two-by-four. You've got a board sticking out of your eye, and you're looking at somebody else and going, you got a tiny little speck. Let me see if I can get that. It would be ridiculous. There, there, there's no way you could see it in the first place. In the second place, you're ignoring this giant slab of wood sticking out of your own head. Jesus is using hyperbole to say, you may have some really glaring issues, and all you're doing is focusing on somebody else's. Deal with you first. And I know me. I know that, that I can spend a whole lot of time focusing on all your faults. When you're in a relationship with me, I can, if something's going wrong, I can, I can totally focus on all the things that you're doing wrong to mess up this relationship. The things that you're doing wrong that you could improve to make this better. And taking my eyes off of me. Jesus says, fix you first. I can't, control, I, I can't control you. I can't dictate your actions. I can't change your mindset. I can only control me. And I can only control how I think and what I choose to do. And so I need to start learning how to get my focus maybe off of you and start focusing on what I can do and how I can be a better person to make this relationship better. Okay, so 
How do we do that? Let's get real basic. Let's talk about some action steps. If, if I take an inventory of whatever relationship it is, think about the relationships that you have. Friendships, marriage relationships, dating relationships, work relationships, neighbors, friends, whatever that connection is, if there's one or more in your life that aren't as good as they could be, what can I do to make it better? And I would encourage you, take notes, pull out the back of your bulletin right now, write these down, pull up your notes app on your tablet or your phone. Let's go through this together, okay? One thing that I can do to be better at my relationships is I can be positive. I can be positive. Ask yourself these questions. Do I, do I tend to worry about things, even the smallest things? Do I always... Whatever the situation is, do I always just go worst case scenario? I just always think of the worst things that can happen. Do I, automatically, do I automatically think of all the things that I don't like or don't trust about somebody else? Do I complain a lot? Do I tend to point out other people's faults and mistakes? Am I always critical about myself? Am I always critical about other people? If I answer yes to any or several of those questions... I may struggle with being a negative person. I might struggle with negativity. And the problem with that is, besides being just, be, being just unhealthy for me, it, being a negative person affects my relationships. People start to not want to be around me very much when I'm a negative person. People, people get exhausted dealing with me. Like it's just draining to always be around somebody who always finds the negative in everything. It may affect my marriage. It may affect my friendship. It may affect working relationships. It may affect my connection with my kids. It may affect my connection with my parents. Because I struggle with seeing the good stuff in other people. I struggle with being positive about the people that I'm connected with. In the book of Philippians, as Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, in chapter 4, Paul goes through and just says, man, there's, there's bad things that ha that's happened in my life, and there's good things that have happened in my life. And some of those things have been under my control, and some of those things I had no control over whatsoever. And then he says, beginning in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 4, I've learned the secret of being content in, in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says, I can find the positive in anything. I can get through any storm. I can see the good stuff in myself. I can see the good stuff in other people, even when it may not be that easy to see, even when I might have to dig a little bit. And why is that? He answers the question here at the end of this verse. I can do that because Jesus Christ empowers me to. Because Jesus Christ looked through all the junk and all the things that he could look as a negative in my life, said, I love him anyway. I love her anyway. And he saved me from my sins and he made me brand new and he empowers me on a daily basis to see good stuff. He empowers me to be positive. You want that relationship, whichever one it is, to be better? Work on being positive. I may need to work on just being trustworthy. I'm being trustable. Can my 
spouse, trust me? Can my friends count on me to do the things that I say that I'm going to do? Can my, can my friends count on me to always be honest with them, even if it's not necessarily something that they want to hear? When I, when I lie, when I don't keep my word, when I act one way when I'm around this group of people and act completely different when I'm around this group of people, when I... Um, when I find a way to cheat or, 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 or to manipulate people to get what I want. That's not just ungodly. That damages the very foundation of any relationship and connection that I'm in. People can't stay connected to me because they can't trust me. They don't know if I'm being real. They don't know if I'm being sincere. They don't know if I'm being honest. They don't know if I'm just trying to say what they want to hear just so I can get something in return. They don't know if I'm actually going to do the things that I've committed to doing with them and for them. They can't trust me. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 21, we're taking pains. We're, we're taking pains to do what is right. Not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. Paul says, I need to be a person who's known for at least trying to do the right thing, for consistently treating people the right way, no, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is, no matter what maybe confrontations we had in the past, I want to treat them the right way. I want to treat them with respect. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to forgive them, even if I don't get that in return. Not just because I'm trying to stay on their good side. Not just because the preacher said I need to. Not just because I'm scared that God's going to be upset with me if I don't. But because it's the right thing to do. It's what God is empowering me to do. And, it's, and, it, and it blesses other people. My spouse. My co-workers. My parents. My kids. My friends need to be able to trust me. They need to be able to know that I'm going to be honest with them, that I'm, I'm going to do my best to treat them the way they deserve to be treated. I need to be positive. I need to be trustworthy. I also need to be helpful. If I want to make my marriage, if I want to make my friendships, my relationships better, I need to be better at being helpful. I need to pay attention to the people around me and recognize when something's going on that I can help with, recognize what the needs are. You don't have to show your hands. How often do you clean up around the house when you're not asked to? How often, well, I mean, if it's your house and you're really big into that, you're like, yeah, I do all the time. Uh, how often, thank you, Mike. Thank you for raising your hand. Appreciate that one of our shepherds like, me, me, pick me. How often do you help with, with a project at school, Will you help with a project at, at work, even if it's going to take extra time, even if it's something that you don't really enjoy doing? How often do you see people that are struggling with something, and, and instead of going on about your busy day, because you are busy, you got stuff going on too, instead of looking at that person going, well, they wouldn't help me, they didn't help me when I asked, instead of all the different reasons we come up with, there's somebody with a need, and just you just go help. 
If we would get in a better habit of doing those things, that's going to, be, that's going to make our relationships improve. It's going to make us better people, and it's going to make us have a better relationship. And sometimes the reason that we're not as helpful as we could be with the people that are in our lives is because we're not paying attention. We're not focused on them. We're completely focused on us. I can become so focused on my work, on my schedule and everything that I got to get done, on my TV show, on my phone or my tablet. I can get so focused on just like how I feel about me and my status with everybody else and my circle of friends. I can get so focused on my comfort zone and how uncomfortable it might be to go help that I just choose not to or don't realize it in the first place. I don't even see it because I'm not paying attention. When my spouse needs help, when my kids need help, when my parents need help, when my coworker needs help, when my neighbor needs somebody to lend a hand. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everybody, to all people. That's a pretty big encompassing statement. Because there's some people that I may not like. There's some people that I may not be getting along with very well right now. There's some people that may have hurt my feelings. There's some people that I might be in some kind of confrontation with. There may be total strangers. There may be people that don't quite fit in my social status compared to everybody else I usually hang out with. And whatever it is, Paul says, forget all that. Is there an opportunity to do good? Then go do good. Is there an opportunity to help? Then help. Get up and get busy helping people, especially the people that you already have a relationship with because it's going to make it better. The more I pay attention, the more I try to help the people that I'm, a, that I'm in a relationship with without being asked and without any expectation of getting anything in return. They might not even say thank you. And I do it anyway. That's going to make that connection so much better and so much stronger. I need to be helpful. I need to be, I need to learn to be controlling. Now that sounds odd, doesn't it, when we're talking about relationships? That's one of the things people talk about you need to stop being is controlling, right? That's one of the things that drives a wedge between people and causes people to, relationships to be torn apart. He's so controlling. She's so controlling. The Bible talks about I need to be controlling, not of that person, but I need to be controlling of my words. I need to be controlling of my emotions. I need to control my attitude. I need to even control some of my natural inhibitions and natural reactions. I mean, we can, we can joke, and we do, about not having a filter. I don't have a filter. You never know what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> and it's kind of funny to joke about those things. And there's some people that as soon as I said that, you're thinking, yeah, that's me. Or you're thinking, <laughs> this person next to me, no filter whatsoever. And, and, and that may be true. Some of us may struggle with controlling our words and filtering those things. But in reality, sometimes we're just using it as an excuse to be hurtful. We're using it as, as, as an excuse to be, to be mean, maybe even be abusive in what we say. Thousands of years ago, 
David is writing the song. And in, and in that song, he cries out to God in Psalm 141, verse 3, and he says, God, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's an old, old school way of saying, God, give me a filter. God, help me stop sometimes. Keep those words in my mouth and don't let them come flying out. We need to be controlling of our words. And we need to control our emotions as well. I mean, sometimes somebody does something, we get upset, we get angry. No problem with that. That's a God-given emotion. God gave us the ability to be angry so that we can deal with being angry. I know that's real simplistic, but he did. But we got to learn to control that anger. What do we do when those emotions get, get riled up? What do we do with that anger? That's where the issue comes in. Do we scream? Do we yell? Do we hit? Do we, do we talk back? Do we throw things? What, what do we do? The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, in your anger, don't sin. You're going to get angry. But when you get angry, don't do things that you'll regret. Don't do things that are ungodly. Don't do things that hurt whoever the person is that you're angry with. We're going to get upset. If you're in a relationship and a connection with somebody else, you're going to get upset. But what do you choose to do with it? You've got to control the emotions. Control our words. Control our emotions. Control our actions. It's going to make our relationships a lot better. And the last one I have for you this morning... Be present. Be present. We talked about being positive and being trustworthy, being helpful, being controlling, but we need, to be, we need to be present in this relationship and in this connection. We need to be there for our spouses. We need to be there for our kids. We need to be there for our friends and for our coworkers. And not just in the same room. I mean, there can be two people, there, there can be a, a married couple sitting on the couch at opposite ends of the couch. Well, I'm here. I'm here for her. I'm here in the room with him. That's not what we're talking about. Not talking about just being in the same space. Be present. Be engaged. Be involved. Be aware of what's going on in that person's life. Be in the moment with them. There's a story that's told in the, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, about a, a man named Job who lived thousands of years ago. And Job experienced just horrific events all at one time. All within a few days of each other, Job, Job was a very wealthy man, and he lost every possession that he had. It was all gone. It just, people just came and stole it, took it all away. He had no possessions left, had no money left. And then a storm came while all of his kids, he had like 10 kids, and they're all in the same house. And a storm came and knocked the house down and killed them all. I can't even imagine how devastating that was for Job. And then not long after that, Job gets inflicted with a skin disease, and it's just so painful. He's got sores and boils all over his skin. And it's bothering him so bad that he's taking rocks and pieces of broken pottery and scraping his skin, hoping to get some relief. I can't even fathom that kind of pain and suffering. And it's all happening to Job all at once. And he's got some buddies that hear about it. And they meet together and they go to Job's house. And if you read through the entire book of Job, 
The entire book of Job is his friend sitting with him and going, Job, you must have done something wrong for God to do this to you. And if you just confess it, you'd be fine. And Job going, I didn't do anything wrong. And it's, that's the whole book in a nutshell, okay? Spoiler alert. But I want you to see what his friends did when they first showed up. So if you go to the book of Job, you go to chapter 2, verse 13, when they get to Job's house, it says they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. And no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. That is what it looks like to be present. His friends came. Now, they kind of flubbed up after this, but in the moment they came and said, man, we're here. And for a whole week, they just sat with him. What do you say? How do you fix? Don't say anything. Just be. Be there. You can tell he's suffering. You can tell this is miserable. Just, if nothing else, for Job to know we're here and we're walking with, the, with you through this. That's what people in your life need to know from you as well. You may not always have the words. You may not always have the solutions. But they need to know that you are present. That when things are going wrong, that when things, maybe even things that you're celebrating, that, that, that I am in that with them, that I'm engaged in their lives, that I'm a part of their life and I'm experiencing it with them, and I'm here for them no matter what, good or bad. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. And I'm aware and I'm in this with you. You talk about a transformation in some of our marriages. You talk about a transformation in some of our relationships with our parents, with our kids. You talk about an overhaul of friendships. If we would get in the habit of just being present and being engaged in those people's lives. Where they know, I'm here. If you need something, I'm here. You don't need anything, I'm still here. I'm in this with you. There may be, I don't know, you may be listening to this this morning and thinking, that's too much. That's too hard. And I'm not saying you need to just tomorrow, just overhaul everything in your life with those five steps and just, it's not going to happen like that. Maybe we need to pick one. I want to be more positive starting tomorrow. Maybe we start today. I'm going to work on being present more. I'm going to work on being more helpful. Maybe two or three of those things. But I know, I know it's a struggle for all of us to do those things consistently. And for some of us, we may be sitting here this morning going, my past is too much to get past. There's too much baggage that I have in this relationship. I can't do those things. I've, I've, I've broken trust too many times before. I've had an affair. I've, I've had a, a, a porn addiction. I've, I've gossiped. I've been abusive. I've lost my temper. I've, I've hurt these people that I care about with my actions, with my words. I've criticized. It's just too much. I can't make things better. Folks, if that's what you're thinking right now, or if you're ever tempted to think that, please hear this. Don't buy into that lie. That things can't be better. Don't ever buy into that. 
And if you've missed everything else I've talked about this morning, please hear this and please trust it and believe in it. The fact is that, that my past does not define me. My God does. And I may have a horrible past. And when it comes to relationships, I may have been awful at them. I may have been abusive. I may have been mean. I may have been completely distant. I may have been a combination of all those things. That's my past. My past doesn't define who I am. My God does. And when I confess those sins and when I give them to him and I repent of them and I give my life to his son, Jesus Christ, and I'm washing his blood through baptism, I'm walking forward into this new life and into my relationships as a brand new person. My past is done. This is who I am now. My past doesn't define me. My mistakes, my failures, my words, my actions, those things don't define me. My God does. I am his forgiven child. And he can heal whatever this is. He can make me better so that this relationship can be better. Don't ever let your past define you when you're a child of God because you're a child of God. That's your identity now. You may be thinking, well, it's not just my past, it's, it's what's going on now. It's, I mean, you're talking about things that are going to take a lot of effort. You're talking about, you know, just uh, working on being aware. I mean, that's going to take, we don't want to say this out loud, but in our minds, man, that's going to take a lot of effort and energy. And I'm really busy right now. I'm really focused on this thing at work. I'm really w working on this project. And I don't have the time to devote to my, to my marriage, to my kids, to different people in my life. I, it just, it's, it's not there. I'm, I'm not for sure where to start. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's way out of my comfort zone. That stretched me more than, than, than who I'm ready to be. Wherever it is I am in my life right now, whatever my present circumstance is, that's going to keep me from being better. Here's the thing. Not only does my past not define me, my present doesn't control me. The Holy Spirit does. If I'm a child of God, I have God's Spirit living inside of me. And according to Scripture, it's the Holy Spirit that dictates my actions. It's the Holy Spirit that moves me. It's the Holy Spirit that controls my thoughts, my heart, and what I choose to do. It's not my job. It's not my status in, in, in the community. It's not even just the current status of this connection, this relationship. The Holy Spirit controls my actions, my thoughts, my attitude, my heart. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If I'm a child of God and I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit says, let's move forward. Let's be helpful. Let's use better words. Let's control our tongue. Let's be positive. Let's be present. Let me guide you in doing that. It's not impossible. And your current circumstances don't have to keep you from doing that, doing those things because the Holy Spirit is in control. Not your job, not your, not your time, not your, your stuff. None of those things have to control your actions because the Holy Spirit can. I hope that makes sense. If I'm controlled by God's spirit, he's going to guide me to better actions. He's going to help me be a better person.
let's be better. Let's do some things to be better so that these connections can be better. So that our marriages can be better. So that we can be better parents. So that, so that our friendships can be better. And again, you may be looking at all these things and going, that's a whole lot. Or you may need to take an honest look and go, I don't even know. Does something need to be fixed? Maybe you need to talk to this person. Maybe that's a conversation that needs to happen today. Or you sit down with your spouse. Or you sit down with your kids or your parents. Or you sit down or, or get together this week with a friend and go, man, is, could, could this be better than what it is now? Is this relationship, is this connection all that it could be, or, or is there something that could be better? When I was in, um, when I was in college, I, I may have shared this with you before, when I was in college, my roommate uh, got sick, and he was starting to date this girl that he ended up marrying, but they had just started dating, and she found out that he was sick, and then the, you know, I went to Harvard University, and girls weren't allowed in the boys' dorms, and boys weren't allowed in the girls' dorms, and, and so she came over, and she dropped off at our dorm a big crock pot of soup. She just made some homemade uh, chicken noodle soup and dropped that off for him, and she made a big old batch of chocolate chip cookies. They were in this huge bowl with aluminum foil over the top. Just so he'd be better. And she brought over, I think it was steel magnolia. She was like, this is what I do when I'm sick. As I, I curl up with soup and cookies and watch steel magnolias. And for those of y'all who don't know what steel magnolias is, bless your heart. It's all right. Um, he's never going to watch. I was, he probably still hasn't watched the movie Steel Magnolias. But that's, not, that's beside the point. I come into the dorm room later on that day. He's been uh, in bed all day sick. And I come in and I'm like, "Woo, where'd you get all this stuff? And he's telling me about it. And he's like you know, get you a cookie. And I, I mean, it's a huge bowl of cookies. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, go ahead and knock yourself out. And he's just smiling while he says it. And I'm like, all right. And I go over and peel back the aluminum foil and I take these made from scratch chocolate chip cookies. And I take a bite of one and <laughs> something wasn't right. There was something, I, it was, I can't even describe the taste, kind of a bitter, kind of a there was something missing. Whatever it was, there was an ingredient. Like, she had worked on these by herself, made from scratch, these chocolate chip cookies, and she left something out. And whatever it was completely changed the flavor of the whole thing. And it wasn't good. Now, they look like cookies. They had the texture of cookies. They were even, I guess you could say, edible. I mean, it wasn't poisonous. I, you know, I ate it and suffered through it. But they could have been better. They could have been a lot better. By the way, she never knew that story until uh, the night before they got married at the rehearsal dinner. I brought it up. She's like, oh, I never knew. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now, but I just wanted to mention that part of the story. You may look at a certain relationship you're in right now, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a marriage, family connection, It looks like a relationship. We got two people that are in it. We, we communicate. We're around each other. It seems like things are okay, but if we take an honest look at it, something, something's missing. And it's not right, and it could be better. That's all I'm asking you to do this morning. We're going to stand together in just a moment. We're going to sing a song together. And as we're standing, we... we sincerely invite anyone that's got issues going on in their lives 
whether it's sin, whether it's habits, whether it's struggles, whether it's things that choices you've been making or things that have been done to you, things that are on your heart that, that you just want prayers for, we invite you to come down to the front while we're singing this song and share that with us. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, we can help with that today. That journey can begin today. You can be a child of God where your past never has to define you anymore. That can happen. We invite you to come to the front and let us know that that's your desire this morning. But if you don't move from where you are, if you just stay standing where you are as we stand and sing this song together, I invite you, I challenge you to be honest about your relationships, about that one relationship. Could something be better? And instead of thinking, what could they do different? What have they done to make this relationship what it is? Ask the question honestly, what can I do? What can I start doing today to make this better? If we can pray about that, if we can help with that, we want to know. Watch together, we stand and sing.